Final message in the prayer series. We've learned where Jesus said over and over again, let's pray. Nobody modeled Jesus or, uh, prayer more than Jesus or taught it more than Jesus. And then he talked to us about why some prayers go unanswered. And then nobody talked about persevering in prayer more than Jesus. And then we talked about spiritual warfare, prayer, which we really need to be engaged in. Amen? Now, today I'm going to talk to you about one of the most powerful forms of prayer in the whole Bible, the prayer of agreement. I believe today the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe His Word is going to pierce even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is going to discern the thoughts and inner motivations of our heart. I believe the Word will not return to me void, but it will do what we send it forth to accomplish. And I believe that everyone listening and doing what we hear is going to have their prayer life go up several levels. The prayer closet is calling us. Do you hear the call? The war room is calling us. Do you hear the call? Because the only answer left for America is prayer. And for some of your situations, only prayer is going to break through for you. You can't fix it. Human beings can't fix it. But God can fix it. You can't fix your marriage, but God can fix it. You can't fix your kids, but God can fix them. So we're going to talk about prayer today. And let's read what Jesus said, Matthew 18, verse 19. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 18, 19. Jesus himself teaching us about the prayer of agreement. And here we go. This is what he said. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, concerning anything that they may ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, here's the best part, I am there in the midst of them. See, already Jesus is here among us right now because we haven't gathered in the name of a church. We haven't gathered in the name of a religion. We've gathered in a, the, the name of Jesus. And because of that, he's here. So, Lord, we thank you right now for the Word of God, and it's going to change us. It's going to rearrange us. It's going to renovate us and renew our minds. Father, we invite you to teach us. We invite you to speak to us. And, Lord, open your Word to us that we may behold wonderful things out of your law. Now, will you breathe a prayer, dear church, and say, Lord, change me today. Speak to me today. Revolutionize my prayer life in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to pray better. Guarantee you. You're going to pray better. All of us could stand praying better. All of us could stand our prayer lives being stronger. Now, these are powerful words from Jesus. He's talking to us about a particular kind of prayer, the prayer where there is agreement together. We are agreeing together. And that word agree is powerful. And, and I'm going to give you a Greek word, but you're going to recognize an English word from this Greek word um, that agree is translated from. Here's the Greek word for agree, symphoneo, symphoneo. Now, what do you think we get that from or get from that? Symphoneo, symphoneo. 
Somebody said it. Symphony. Symphony. Symphoneo. Agree. Symphony. And Jesus is saying the kind of prayer I'm talking about is when you are harmonizing, symphonizing, agreeing together. It's a powerful word. Symphony. This passage is about the prayer of agreement, a particular kind of prayer. Not where you're praying alone, but you're praying with somebody else, at least one. And it's where the saints of God are in total, harmonious, symphonic agreement for something they want to pray for. You know, you can't get with somebody and, and that you, you've got something against or you're at odds with, you, you, you've got a problem with, and say, would you agree with me in prayer? That ain't going to happen. It's going to fall right there. So we look for somebody who can agree with us harmonize with us, symphonize with us, that we can harmonize together and say, Jesus, we're asking you to do thus and so. The prayer of agreement. That's just like a real orchestra. In a real orchestra, there can be up to 100 different instruments, and they're divided into four sections, woodwinds, brass, percussion, and strings, and, of course, a piano. Yet all of these instruments, all of them, play the same chord at the same time. And if you've got that orchestra and they're all playing in the chord of C, the key of C, and then somebody decides to wing it and go Lone Ranger and go Rogue and play A when everybody else is playing C, the conductor puts out his baton and says, who's in rebellion? And the person who was playing in the key of A when everybody else is in C is going to have to Come forward, and here's the deal. If, if every orchestra member does not agree to play the same chord at the same time, they must leave the orchestra because they are in disunity. And it's the same thing with a prayer of agreement. You don't go find somebody and pray with me about this or that, and they can't agree with you. Well, I don't think that's God's will for you, or, or I can't really enter into prayer for that. You don't go, well, pray with me anyway because it's not going to fly. No, we are to agree together. We are to agree together like an orchestra. The church is like a unified orchestra. And, and, and notice the premium that Jesus places on his followers coming together in unity. You know, I think sometimes we don't realize the importance of unity. There is power in unity. Jesus says, if you come together in my name, no matter how many of you are there, if you're all there in my name, I will do it. So guess what? The church is always to play in the key of Jesus. I'm here because of Jesus. A church didn't save me. A religion didn't save me. Just a regular human being didn't save me. No, I had a major revolution in my life when I called out on one name, the name, the name above all names. His name is Jesus. And when I called out on the name of Jesus, I've been playing in the key of Jesus ever since. And we're not gathered here today because of a name on a sign. We're not gathered here today to see somebody's new dress or new suit or try to find a new business connection. Hopefully we have all come together in the name of Jesus to find out about Jesus, to learn about Jesus, to be edified by Jesus, to go out of here strengthening Jesus, talking about Jesus, spreading Jesus, making Jesus famous. 
And if you notice, we, we, we've shared so many times in this prayer series how often Jesus said, I want you to pray in my name. He introduced a brand new type of prayer. He said, no longer do you have to come to me to pray for you. You go to the Father yourself in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Powerful. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now I want you to notice, not only he talk about praying in his name, but he also talked about gathering in his name. Gathering in his name. He said, if two or more of you agree together, come together in my name. You know, a church is where there, wherever there's two or more believers. There's a well-known axiom going all the way back to the church fathers that goes like this. Where three are, there is a church. Where three are, you can have three, 30, 300, 3,000, 30,000, and in every one of those levels, it's still a church. Where there's three gathered in his name, he says, there am I in the midst. That's why I love worshiping the Lord. Did you notice we started singing, but there was a moment where suddenly, whoosh, you know what that was? That was Jesus saying, oh, there's some gathered in my name, and they're worshiping in my name, and they're glorifying my name, and they're singing in my name. So I'm going to go inhabit the praises of my people. And that's the way it works. You haven't had church unless the Holy Spirit's there. And he'll be there every time if you gather in his name. Now, Jesus encourages us also to pray for a definite thing. He said, I want you to pray for a definite thing. He said, if you come together as touching anything, anything that you will ask, anything that you agree to ask for, anything, if you pray for a revival, if you pray for somebody to be saved, if you pray for a job, whatever you pray for, he's talking about specificity in prayer. When you come together in prayer, I want you to pray. I want you to know what you're after. I want you to have a bullseye, and I want you to pray for it. And I want you to ask specifically. Don't just say, Lord, I need some cash. <laughs> say, Lord, I need $332 for that electric bill, and I need it now. And, Lord, I'm praying specifically. Or, Lord, I'm, I'm not just praying for salvation, but I'm praying for Bill or Bob or James or Sue or Jane. I'm praying for that person. He said, you pray for anything specifically. And I think it's powerful. In my name means into my name. That means when you gather together in his name, when you pray in his name, you're, you're, you're doing it with love for him, with wanting to be with him, be in union with him, acting for his glory, wanting his will to be done. Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, and your will be done, Lord on the earth as it is in heaven. I want your will, your way, your name, your purpose, your destiny to be lifted up and glorified and advanced in the earth. And that's what prayer is. The gathering together Jesus is talking about is for those who gather for his cause with hunger for him and his glory. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for Jesus. Are you hungry for Jesus? To know him is to love him. 
And to know Him is to love Him more. And to love Him more is to want Him more. We want more of Jesus. Listen, if you get a taste of Jesus, you will never want less. You will always want more. Because He is altogether lovely and altogether worthy to be praised. I'm hooked on Jesus. I'm an addict. I've got to have a Jesus fix every day. I get up in the morning and I've got to touch God. I've got to get into that Word and get the manna. I want to know Him better than I knew Him the day before. I want to grow in Him. So when you come together in my name, agree, agree. Now I want to point out three things about the prayer of agreement that I think we all need to understand because there's such power in the prayer of agreement I want us to get it today. I want us to leave getting it. Now, I know it's Father's Day, and I thought about a Father's Day message, but then I thought there's nothing better I can give to every dad in here than the knowledge of prayer. So let me go there. First of all, with what Jesus said, if two or more of you agree, symphonize, harmonize as touching anything, it tells me God blesses unity. Unity. Unity is a powerful spiritual dynamic. According to Psalms 133, if you're walking in unity, you don't even have to pray for a blessing because God commands a blessing. How would you like God looking down on you? And you're not saying, oh, God, give me a blessing, give me a blessing, but because you're walking in unity, in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, he just says, I'm going to command a blessing on that house, a blessing on that church, a blessing on that person. Listen to what it says, Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. He's showing us here the, a picture of the anointing of the Spirit of God. Oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And here's a picture of Aaron with oil being poured on his head, and it's running down his beard and then down his garments. He's talking about a saturating anointing. He says, where there is unity, I will release an anointing that saturates you, saturates your home, saturates your church. It'll flow down. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there, 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 in the place of unity, the Lord commanded the blessing. Life evermore. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like being blessed, and I don't like being unblessed. I like being blessed. And God pours out a blessing where there is unity. When two or more people come into agreement, into symphonic harmony, agreeing together in the spirit and the bond of peace, they are there in unity. And Jesus promised when you pray in unity like that, in agreement, he said, I'm going to bless you. Something is going to change. Something is going to happen. In fact, agreement is so powerful that it produces not just addition, but multiplication. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, one, listen to how powerful one person in God is, one can put a thousand to flight. That's one believer can put a thousand to flight. Can I tell you something today? If you're full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Word of God and prayed up and your flesh is good and crucified, you can put a thousand devils to flight. One can put a thousand devils to flight. A thousand 
Listen, one in God is a majority. But look what he goes on to say. Two, two agreeing together can put 10,000 to flight. Look at that. That's not addition. If it was addition, it would go from 1,000 to 2,000. One can put 1,000 to flight, two, 2,000. But that's not what he says. He says one puts 1,000, but two agreeing together, it's multiplied power, multiplied force, multiplied effect. It puts 10,000 to flight. When you agree, when you agree. Now, for that reason, the prayer of true agreement is an exceedingly powerful force in the spiritual realm. Let me give you an example. One day, Peter and John went to pray. Now, we used to sing a song and went like this. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He held out his palm. He asked for an alms. And this is what Peter did say. I'd sing it for you, but I want your attention. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. Let me paraphrase that. I don't have any spare change, but what I do have, because you can't give what you don't have. If, you, if you've got Jesus, you can give Jesus. So he, had, he gave what he had. He said, I don't have any spare change, but I got something way better than some spare change. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, sir, get up and walk. He'd been, he had been crippled from birth. He said, in the name of Jesus, and Peter reached out and grabbed his hand, and the Bible says that strength entered into his lifelong crippled legs, and the man stood up, and when he realized he could stand, he started walking. When he realized he could walk, he started leaping, and when he started, realized he could leap, he started praising God. He did not stand there and say, well, I do believe, bless God, I'm healed. No, 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 he had a benefit. You can have a fear fit. You can have a depression fit. You can have an anxiety fit. You can have an anger fit. But you know what happens when you walk in the Spirit? You have benefits. And he had a benefit. And he started walking and leaping. Well, well, all the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin and all the rest, those that had crucified Jesus saw what was going on. They called the disciples. They didn't care that somebody had been healed. What they cared about was that he had, they had done it in the name of Jesus. And it says that they said, look at the disciples, and they, they perceived that they had been with Jesus, that they were unlearned men, but they perceived that they'd been with Jesus because the anointing of the Spirit was all over Peter and John. And they looked at them. They called for the whip. They whipped them. And then they said to them, we don't care what you do, but do not preach or teach anymore in the name, in what's his name? In the name of what's his name? No, I'm saying they didn't want to say it. They didn't even want to say it. In the name of what's his name? Don't preach in that name anymore. Because, see, they perceived that the power was in the name, that the results were in the name, that it was the name of Jesus that was turning Rome upside down and spreading the Christian faith everywhere. Don't preach in that name anymore. Well, after they got getting whipped, they went out, and the Bible says being let go, they went to their own company, and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Look at this, prayer of agreement with one accord, harmonizing, symphonizing, praying about the same thing with the same faith and the same heart. 
And they prayed this way. i got to read the prayer. It's so powerful. Listen to how they attribute all of creation to creator God, not evolution. Lord, you are God who has made heaven and has made earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? For to do whatever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Anytime somebody persecutes you, comes against you, for any Christian reason, you take it to God and say, Lord, you behold what they said. You heard what they said. You saw what they did. And they said, they grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name. There's that name again. By the name of your holy child. Everybody say the name with me. Jesus. Now I want you to notice the first thing that Peter and John did when they'd been whipped and they got persecuted. They went and they found their own company. When you're under the gun, you don't go find skeptics. You don't go find unbelievers. You don't go find doubters. When you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, you go find your own kind. You go find people who will believe like you, who will lay hold of God like you want to. They went and found their own company. And when they found their own company, they all took hands and they lifted up a prayer to God. Well, let's read what happened. Let's read what happened. It says, And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness, and they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We will not obey men when they're telling us to disobey God. If they tell us to disobey God, we must obey God rather than men. And they weren't praying some generalized prayer. They offered up to God the persecution, the threats, and everything that had been put upon them. And the Bible says that whole place was shaken as they lifted their voices in fervent prayer. Now, you know I like words, and and I always check out words. That word shaken is so powerful. It means the building shook. Can you imagine if we stood up and we began to pray for something right now and the red-hot fire of fervent prayer fell on us and when we were done, all of a sudden this building shook and moved. As long as the lights don't come down, I'm okay. The, The word shaken is a picture of a really strong stormy wind blowing against a tree, bowing it down and violently shaking and rattling the leaves. That's the word here, shaken. It was like God was saying, got it, and I've got you. Don't be afraid of them. Go for it. Don't tell me there's not power in Christianity. There's power in Jesus to shake a building. Later on, they saw the original jailhouse rock sitting down in the dungeon They did the same thing. They harmonized together and prayed and worshiped God. And the jail shook and the prison doors flew open and all the prisoners were freed. And the Philippian church was birthed. God likes shaking things when you pray right. So God's power was mightily manifested in answer to the prayer of agreement. Now, second, since unity and harmony are crucial to the prayer of agreement, 
Since it is so crucial, that's the crucial ingredient, unity and harmony, not being divided, not being at odds, then here's what we need to understand. Unity is always under attack. I can tell you as a pastor of 32 years, dealing with God's people for 32 years and knowing many other pastors, um, I can tell you that the unity of a church, a, a body of believers, is always under attack because, listen, Satan fears when the church is unified, when we are harmonizing, symphonizing, praying, when we are walking in the unity of the, and of the bond of peace, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, when we are unified and pray in that condition, Satan attacks it because God's blessing rests on unity. His presence is with those who agree in his name. The enemy works overtime to divide the Lord's church. And we got to be aware of that. Jesus said, be wise as a serpent. Then be gentle as a dove. Be wise first, gentle second. Recognize the enemy when he's moving. Because Satan looks at a church like this one or any other church gathering in Jesus' name, and he looks for ways to divide it. His philosophy, the philosophy of hell, is divide and conquer. God's philosophy is unify and conquer. Satan's is divide and conquer. He tries to bring strife into relationships. He wants to provoke anger and jealousy. He wants to stir up bad feelings that keep Christians at odds with each other and angry at each other. I can't tell you, I don't know, but I can only imagine right now in Fort Worth alone how many people are not in church, how many people are staying home, how many people got offended and got angry and got divided in a church body, and now they have written church off and they're sitting at home, and trust me, they're losing. He wants husbands and wives divided. He wants pastors and their congregations divided. He wants parents and children divided, choir members divided, worship teams divided, different local church congregations divided and against each other. So if he can divide, he can conquer. And then he'll move on and divide again and conquer. He's after your marriage. He's after the key relationships in your life. If he can't defeat you, he'll try to defeat somebody whose defeat defeats you. To divide, to conquer. That's the way he works. No wonder Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and he said, make every effort. The word effort means move swiftly, move zealously. He's saying, when you see disunity coming into a church body, make every effort to move swiftly into that potentially divisive situation and patch it up and fix it and bring healing and restoration before it festers and moves. Because any division in a church is the devil's attempt to de really dispower it. God wants to empower us. Satan wants to dispower us. And he used a division. No wonder God says of the seven things he hates most. Last but not least is he who sows discord among brethren. He says, make every effort, move swiftly, move zealously to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. 
Now, I want you to understand something about unity. I don't have to believe everything you do to be unified with you. Isn't that good news? Because if I had to believe exactly the way you do about everything, we would have no church. We would have no unity. We might as well go home and watch I Love Lucy reruns. It's over. Did you know there's 21 different Protestant denominations in America with thousands of offshoots? And here's the deal about every one of them. 21 different Christian denominations, Protestant, with thousands of offshoots, and every one of them think they've got more of the truth than the rest. And God tells me, I want you to walk in unity and fellowship with them. Well, if I had to believe every little thing they do, we're never going to walk in unity. So here's the good news. Unity is not achieved by gathering together around exactly the same beliefs. Unity is achieved by gathering together around a person. And his name is Jesus. That's where you get unity. Now, I like what Augustine said. Augustine, this is attributed to him. I don't know if he said it, but it's attributed to him. He, and I think this is the best, the best way to describe unity. He said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Let me talk about this a minute. In essentials, there's got to be unity. Watch this. If we can't agree on the blood of Jesus as our only hope of forgiveness and salvation, I have no grounds for unity with you. That is, I can't agree with you in prayer. I can't walk with you. I can love you, but I can't walk with you in unity because if you don't believe that Jesus' blood is the only way to salvation and the only way for forgiveness of sins, that is a deal breaker. In essentials, there must be unity. Or that God's Word is non-negotiable, unchanging, and unvarnished truth. That's what I believe. That's what the Bible says about itself. That is an essential. And if you say to me, well, Jeff, you know what? Really, I don't really believe the Bible is the Word of God, and Jesus isn't really the only way. What, what do I have to unify with you around? Because fellowship can't, you can't have fellowship light with darkness. So that's a deal breaker or the necessity of living a godly, moral life in keeping with the teachings of Scripture. That's an essential. And if you're out there living immorally and you don't believe in the Bible's teaching on purity and morality and so on and so forth, then that's an essential and we have just lost our unity. In essentials, we must have unity in the essentials. But in non-essentials, Liberty. In other words, if it's not an essential and somebody's different from you, but they love Jesus, get over it. If you want to believe you can't eat pork, for instance, that's a non-essential. I will pray for you. Because yesterday morning I had bacon. And that is one heavenly smell. I can be anywhere in the house. But when I smell that bacon cooking, it pulls me up out of the chair. It pulls me up out of bed. It talks to me. Come hither to the kitchen. And the Bible tells me if I pray over it, it's blessed and I can eat it. Now, and I know some of you purists are going to say to me, but Jeff, that, that, that's, that's a pig. That's swine. That's not good for you. Well, God bless you. I love you anyway. And I can still fellowship with you because that's a non-essential. You need to be delivered. Yeah. 
Or, or some, some people believe that women shouldn't wear pants or that the gifts of the Spirit passed away with the apostles. They believe that. Or that playing instruments in a church service is not right. I can still gather with you in the name of Jesus. I can sit down and eat with you, and I can love you, and I can fellowship with you if you believe I shouldn't play instruments in church. I will come to your church and sing a cappella with you, and when I start, you'll wish instruments were playing. But you see, in non-essentials, we have liberty because that's not a deal breaker. None of those things are deal breakers. And in all things, charity. Should we disagree on non-essentials like the things I named and, and more? I still love you in Christ, for he is our basis for unity. I can gather with you in his name, take your hand, and I can agree with you harmonically, symphon and I'm not getting new age on you. I'm just saying, in harmony, I can agree with you for God to move because we've gathered together in his name. The church of Jesus Christ must be quick to forgive, quick to patch things up big enough to overlook faults and differences in others and care enough for God's church to fight for the unity and not enter into the offense or the problem. So, regarding the prayer of agreement, God blesses unity, and unity, therefore, is always under attack. And the last thing I want to mention is this. If, if you've been praying about something and you're just not getting the breakthrough but you know that it's God's will, has it occurred to you to find somebody of like faith, take their hands and say, agree with me, and go from taking a 1,000 to taking 10,000. Let me give you an illustration. Lisa Schwartz. Lisa, stand up there and, and give them a wave. Now, she wasn't in the first service, but there she is in the second one, Lisa Schwartz. Now, she, she is the founder and the director of Crazy 8 Ministries. I'll explain the name to you some other time. Crazy Eight Ministries. Crazy Eight Ministries touches a lot of people with the love of God and the healing of Jesus Christ. They are involved in, in at least 200 counseling sessions a month ministering Jesus to people, speaking into their pain, seeing them get set free. Many times they are the last stop before jail or, or before death. And they pray together and they minister and counsel according to the Word of God. And, and right now they're housing four women and seven children to get them healed up, taking care of them, uh, giving them a place to stay. And, and it's just a ministry that is in the whole community is very, very aware of Crazy 8 Ministries. In 2015, they were told they had to vacate the property that they were on, and they were given a deadline. You've got to be out by June 30th, and I believe they had nine months from that time. Nine months to find land, to find buildings, to find a brand new place and get planted. And I remember they searched for seven months and ran up against wall after wall. I used to go over to them every Sunday and say, how's it going? Well, we hit another wall. Well, we hit another wall. We hit another wall. And yet they kept on looking and kept on looking. And the time in the hourglass, the sand was sifting through. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they had to focus on praying and trusting God. And in one particularly trying time, the day before they were supposed to close on a property, that day it fell through. Two months left to find land, property, that's stress. That's pressure. I don't care how much faith you have. And I remember it was at that time when I was told, hey, 
It fell through for them. They got to have something in two months. This is getting serious. I took Pastor Brendan and myself, and we went over to their office, and we gathered their staff around. And I remember thinking all the way there, Matthew 18, 19, Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree together as touching anything, anything on earth, it'll be done. We gathered the staff around. We all took hands, and we began to pray. We began to cry out. We began to intercede. And I remember very heavily sensing the presence of God. He was there in the midst. Do you know the very next week, her property opened up. I've been there. And let me tell you something. It is T-bone steak property. It is prime property. It so puts in the shade what she had. God did exceeding abundantly above all we could ask for or even think of. But there's more. They had to close on the property. Remember, by June 30th, they had to close on that property. And so Lisa's gathered with some businessmen at a table, the businessmen involved in the deal. And, and she said, we got to close by the 30th. And one of them looked at her like she was this little girl and said, honey, you're asking for a miracle. And she said, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, they closed on June 28th on that property. There's power in agreement. If two of you agree on earth, harmonize together, come into agreement together about anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there, I'm there, I'm there, in the midst of them. Amen. Can we stand together today? And I, I want you to say these three things with me. I want you to never forget this. And don't leave yet because we're about to do something very special and very important. Hang tough. The roast isn't going to burn, but you might. <laughs> Hang on. Say with me, God blesses unity. God blesses unity. Therefore, Therefore, unity is, unity is always under attack and must be protected. And if you're stuck in prayer... Get somebody to agree with you. Now, here's what I want us to do. This is a little bit unorthodox, and I'm truly not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. There's so many needs represented in this room, and I want you to do something. I just want you to take the hand of the person next to you. Would you do that? And, boy, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm making you uncomfortable. I promise you nobody will bite. But, you see, there's prayer power in this room. There's faith in this room. And every one of us need God to do something. And so I'm going to ask you, and, and you know, if you don't want to share a need, you don't have to. But if you can just think of anything that you really need God to do, the, one of the person on either your right or your left or both, just say to them, here's, here's what I need. And what I want you to do is I want everyone to pray for the person next to you and agree with them in prayer. Agree with them. And while you do, we're going to have Scott just sing a simple worship song. You know, some of you need money. Some of you need a job. Some of you need a breakthrough in your home. Some of you need a healing. Some of you need to have a habit broken. There are many needs in this room. 
And so if, you're, if you have liberty to just tell someone in a general way, here's what I need. Some of you dads, your relationship with your kids is strained. We could pray that God does something about that today. So, Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. There's prayer in this room, Lord, that is energized by faith. And, Lord, we're asking you today to hear us. And, Lord, answer in power in the name of Jesus.